different introduction tonight. Tonight's a really, really important, very, very serious video in regards to a young girl, 15 year old girl that I've had the privilege of working with now for, in fact it's been long, I think it's been over about five months now and her plight with cancer um, and and working with, I'm not just coaching her, I'm not going to give any names this evening, but I'm not just coaching her, I'm also coaching uh, the, the family basically, mum and dad as well. Um, so yeah, tonight's going to be, uh, let's just get Harry on, apologies. Tonight's gonna it's going to be around cancer, which is something that is affecting so many people currently, has been for years, but I mean, it's it's statistics. Now is one in two. Uh, so yeah, tonight it's going to be... Um, around cancer. Hello mate, how you doing? Yeah mate. Yeah, yeah, not too bad. I felt I've, it's knocked everything out of me today, this has, it really has been a, um, uh, I was just trying to introduce it mate, I'm, I'm not even in flow at the minute, to be honest, over it. Um, if you just, yeah, yeah just, I'll, um, I'll set, I'll set it. Just, um, so tonight, like James said, this is a, a different, uh, Let's talk health, and it's important. It's one that we need to pay attention to because this stuff does happen all over the world at the moment, and people are not aware of what goes on. Um, at Let's Talk Health, we work with a wide range of clients, and me and James are always exchanging conversations and always updating each other, and effectively coaching each other because when you go through what James and the family and this little girl has. It's very difficult, and you're going to hear tonight that all of this is experience, all of this has happened, and you're not going to believe any of it. And it's, it's hard for me to, even to listen to James when he's telling me the story, because I can hear the pain from the parents and, and all the suffering that they're going through. And, yeah, I'm, I'm going to really just hold the space tonight and let James tell the story, because it needs to be told. And this stuff is happening. And for people that know us, we do look at alternative way of thinking. We do look for truth. And a lot of time that is met with resistance. And we can take the COVID situation at the moment, the vaccines, the pharmaceutical. If you listen for tonight's show, you're going to understand why we do challenge what we are being told because we're experiencing things that it's terrible. Like it is. And, and I'm going to just uh, let James hold the space i'm going to hold the space ask questions this story needs to come out and guys we just encourage you just to tune in and and and, and follow us through on this one because it's a it's a big topic and this this subject will impact every single person at some point in their lives if it's not you directly it's going to be people closest to you friends families loved ones and it needs to be heard cheers mate that's giving me a bit of time because i was flapping there for me i just didn't know how to start it so um I think, no, I think, I know one thing to say from the off. What I'm about to disclose, uh, hi Simon, um, is not an attack on the NHS, it's not an attack on doctors or nurses in any way, shape or form. However, I'm going to share with you an experience that I've been part of for the last just over five months now. And as Harry said, um, there's so everything I'm uh, going to share is, is from experience. So it's not, there's no, it's not to dramatize things. It's actually to get out a story that, uh, as you'll understand, is something that you've got to put yourself in these people's shoes. So as I said, disclaimer, this is not an attack on the NHS or doctors or anything like that, but this is me sharing um, a true story with you. So can I quickly fact, just set the, t just set the yeah, time for yourself, please. James, in terms of, what you do with clients and, and when you are working with people with cancer, like how does it transfold where they then, you're then working with the families and, and the people that are going through this? And what is the process just so people can like, okay, what, what is your role within this? Well, it's interesting because uh, I've never thought about it. Like until you pop that question, this is the first time I've officially taken on uh, that. The fact the family, the mum and dad said, you know, can you, can you coach, um, ah, sorry, I've just, I've just seen what Simon's written. Yes. I've just seen, see, read what Simon written. That's got to be addressed as a Simon. Do you know what? 
Simon, I understand after what I've heard today, what I've experienced from, let me share with you, Simon, don't about be, 15 don't, year old Don't apologise, don't apologise ever either, Simon. Yeah, this yeah, Simon, don't say sorry. Though. Yeah, this, yeah you, you're in the right place. And do you know what, Simon? This story is for you. Because when you hear about this 15-year-old girl and her courage and what she's had to face over the last five months and what she's been bullied into having to do today by the NHS and social services, uh, I'm sure it's going to give you the, that energy boost you need, Simon. So with the greatest respect, this one I think is this, you're the one person this story is going to at least resonate with this evening. So I started working with, the, I'm going to give the girl a name. I'm going to give the girl name Rose, which is actually very relevant to her real name. So I started working with Rose about five months ago. However, Rose is 15 years old. She's a, for me, as a dad, I've got a three-year-old little girl. Now, this is not a dig against, or, or me having a go against anybody else, but I want my 15-year-old, little three-year-old to be that, that this freak, sorry, my little three-year-old to be the 15-year-old just like Rose. A 15-year-old that is living and loving being 15. Not trying to be 19 or 18 or, you know, just a beautiful, beautiful little girl. Little 15-year-old girl. Um, now, actually, to throw this into the mix, has I don't even if, know if you know this part. So her father, okay, so Rose's dad, I actually met, two, who reached out to me two and a half months before he re-reached out to me for his daughter. And the initial contact Rose's dad made with me was for his... Rose's dad is in his um, mid-50s, okay? So a young man. So his twin sister, obviously, same age. Um, he reached out because she had a cancer. She'd gone through mainstream medicine, chemotherapy, the whole kit and caboodle but this was during covid and they'd put her in ireland because she was in ireland he couldn't get over to see her so there's a relevant i've just thought of this as well did what an insight this is all part of this story he couldn't get over to see her because uh, of covid and the restrictions they'd stuck her in a hospice with nobody around sometimes the older sister who was over in ireland was able to come in and visit the twin sister but very rarely and in the dad's words you know you know it was breaking his soul not being able to at least just go and sit by her side. Now, whilst this is going on, he reached out to me to help advise on a, an alternative natural medicinal option for his sister, which is something me and Harry have now, I've worked with for the last eight years. Harry's been on board with me for at least the last five of those uh, in, in working in that field with people with, or sorry, four years, sorry, Harry, um, with, with natural medicine, and what it can do with a particular system, which I don't want to go into at this point because that's not what this video is about, but there is a relevance to this. So he was reaching out to me, desperate. I was, I was in the end, I was talking to the older sister as well, trying to get the message over through to the sister. But long story short, because the fact he couldn't go to see this woman, his twin sister, his twin sister ended up dying on her own in a hospice of cancer. Now, imagine this, whilst this is going on, that dad's, that, this is a family of four, uh, father and wife in their uh, mid-50s, beautiful people, two daughters, one 15, which is Rose, and a younger daughter uh, as well, who's only, I believe, 13, okay? So whilst the dad is, is, is going through this battle with um, the, the care system in Ireland to try and get access to see his sister before she's died, his little girl, the 15-year-old that now I've been working with for the last five months, Rose, had been online researching herself for her auntie around the, the, the information that I'd provided for her. She's just such an incredible soul. And whilst this is going on, this young girl, unbeknownst to me, and funny enough, unbeknownst to the parents because they'd been misdiagnosed for a year, this little girl had a lump on her chest. Okay, so this 15-year-old girl, Rose, whilst looking to help save her auntie, where by going into this information, uh, uh, was herself, unbeknownst to her, was developing a massive tumour, cancerous tumour on her chest, which the hospital, a local hospital and GPs, had told her for the best part of a year, told the parents that it wasn't cancer, it wasn't cancer. And the mum, who I've now got to know really well, 
she said, and a shout out to mother's intuition. There's nothing like a mother's love. And mum, shout out to you. Please take heed of this. If you ever, if you ever feel there's something wrong with your children, I assure you, you know better than any doctor, any white jacket. You'll just know because you'll know from your spirit because that child is connected to your, to your spirit. So she knew something weren't right. So she, whilst this is all, but of course, all the energy was being focused on the auntie who was trying to battle cancer, finally got some of the medicine through to her, turned out to be too late. She died. Now, literally, I spoke to the dad. Um, we had, you know, I passed my condolences. He thanked me for everything, blah, blah, blah. Didn't hear from him for about a month and a half. A month and a half later, that dad brings me up. And Rose, finally, the mum kicked off a fuss, real kicked off a fuss. And Rose had been diagnosed with initially something called E-wing sarcoma, which is an incredibly rare cancer that send, tends to predominantly attack younger females, okay? And it's, it's, a, it's like, just to put things in perspective here as well, and you can fact check anything I'm saying this evening, by the way, people, anything I'm sharing with you is going to be from, from experience. Anything that's from books, I'll give you reference points. But other than that, you need to do your own research. Cancer treatments, 96% of the time, are totally ineffective. Go look at it yourself. You're working on a 4% statistic, percentage chance. Now, you've got to be realistic. Considering now we're told that one in two people are getting cancer, that means 96% of the one in two people are going to die. Because that is the current statistics for the success rate of cancer. But we're not told that, are we? So she's been told she's got E-wing sarcoma. So then uh, John's... Uh, Dad's reached out to me. Apologies. The dad's reached out to me. Um, and I, I just couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. He just said, look, James, you're not going to believe it. Because I initially thought he was just reaching out for something to do with his sister. To then be told that his daughter Rose had been diagnosed, misdiagnosed for 10 months, even though they kept going back up and she kept, you know, she, she in herself knew something wasn't right, but kept getting told, no, it's just, this is what, this is the sort of line she was being told by her doctors. No, what happens is with young girls, these things develop often and you overthink things. Don't even worry about it. This is genuinely verbatim, the sort of information for months, not only the little girl, but the, the mum and dad were being told only to finally find out that, oh my God, we're really sorry, we cocked up. It is cancer. And we're now so late down the line that we're going to have to hit you with one of the most powerful forms of chemotherapy, which there is absolutely not one case study to show what the effects of this chemotherapy does to the human body after five years. Simon, you have to go. Um, look, mate. Reach out. Reach out, Simon. Reach out. Because just like this girl, you're, you've got an incredible soul too. And you need to stand up now and, and just, just appreciate yourself, Simon. Because I'm telling you, you've got so much that you can share with other people to help other people with what you're going through at the minute. But bring yourself into your presence. Bring yourself into your now. Concentrate on your breathing for a bit. And just remember how much you've got to be grateful for. Because you always have. You're here now. You've turned up. You've come on here again and shared your vulnerability. That shows me your strength. So please reach out. Um, so Rose, uh, so basically, yeah, Rose, they, they, they said to mum and dad, right, this is what it is. Um, and again, the, the old percentage chart comes out. Oh, there's a 70% chance that we can give her this much time. There's a 60%. Uh, there is no chance of healing her. None. That, that was never presented. And what's interesting, over the last eight years, what I have experienced, I've experienced, not read in books, with people with, with cancer, okay, when it comes to these statistical charts, there never is an option for healing. So to be totally read, they'll talk about remission, but remission means temporary relief. So point being, this family, so you can imagine the dad just lost his twin sister. Now his firstborn child has just been told that 
she's got e-wing sarcoma. So he reached out to me um, for um, some, some advice on natural options, plant medicines. Um, so I started downloading on him again, what I downloaded on his sister, but um, he also asked uh, at that point, no, actually tell a liar. He didn't ask. I asked him if I could speak to his daughter because I knew what the dad must have been going through at that point after losing his twin to then his firstborn daughter um, being given this, this sentence. And, and the fact that, again, with a great respect to him and everybody else we work with, we've experienced nearest and dearest panic is one of the worst things for people with cancer, funnily enough. And there's a whole science behind that. But I'm not going to go into it this evening, but I could, I've recognised the amount of fear, and rightly so, that was with this dad. So I asked if I could speak to his daughter. I asked, would you be comfortable? And I said, listen, on the first time we speak, I'll have my son with me. So I'll introduce my firstborn to which I did, and so we can all meet as a family. So that's how we broke the ice. And I started working. I did a session with uh, Rose. And then um, after that session was finished, uh, she said to her dad that she'd love uh, to, uh, for me to, because I said to her, listen, Rose, I don't want anything for this. I'd be more than happy to. I, I, I explained I'm a soul coach. I my experience of working with people in her position. I said, I'd be more than happy to um, take you through what I do. I don't want anything for it. Uh, and she agreed to it. So that, that happened to us, and we've been doing She's She named it Mindful Mondays. Uh, and we've got one this evening, after this call. So after this, don't want to go too far ahead, actually, but this girl has been experiencing something today, which I need to get onto. But this is what I mean, has is trying to get all of the backstory, and there's so much more to tell about all the different things that... that uh, let me try and speed things up. So, so I started coaching her. However, during this time... Okay, I also started, the, the, the father asked me to speak to the wife, so I ended up starting coaching the wife and the dad as well. So the mum and the dad and the daughter, not the other daughter, but they what, that's something that's actually now in the pipeline as well. Um, but they wanted me to speak to all of them. So I started really getting to know these people and what they did, because this was something so new to them, and I was able to download information from experience from other people, they started realising that, the stuff that I was talking about and, and explained that you may be up against it was all transpiring. So they, in the end, they just went, right, James, we're going to give you absolutely everything. So they give, they've given me full access to absolutely everything that's been going on with the hospitals and right, where to start. So first and foremost, the mum, again, wasn't convinced. So we're up to a stage where she's just been diagnosed with even sarcoma They've been told it's, I believe it's one in one million or one in 750,000. It's a really rare form of cancer. So they need to get to work straight away. Uh, and they put this whole plan in place that like they literally, the dad said they just bombed, but they didn't explain anything to us about what was going on. All they did was push numbers and statistics and data and sense of, and that's what I was getting to mate. Yes. Sense of urgency, which they knew would create an inner fear unbeknownst because the thing is what happens is the parents were in a state of cognitive dissonance they, which which basically means you, you shut down to any common sense within you that might be telling you what you're hearing you can do anything about you just you you just submit to and surrender to what you're being told now because of what happened with the sister and then we've obviously been pushed into the situation with the daughter the dad and the mum were just initially in such a state of fear that when they was Exactly the same happened to me when I refused my surgery for my tuna. Shout out to uh, Madrina. So yes, this will resonate with you, this story. So what they're doing as well, guys, when these people are doing this, which they're trained to do, they're trained to give this information in a way to create a sense. They'll call it a sense of urgency. But as Harry said, it's fear. Because they'll use the English language with words you've never heard of and bamboozle you with their white jacket into thinking, you've got to do what they say, when they say it, otherwise your daughter's going to die. That is literally the undercurrent. That's what they make sure you understand. And all the other stuff that they glamorize and tart up with, with facts and figures and percentages, they know you ain't going to have a clue what they're talking about, but you're going to feel the fact, 
If I don't act now, I'm going to lose my daughter. So they're at that stage. However, the mum is still not convinced. Because of the misdiagnosis for so long, the mum wasn't convinced even then with what they were saying. So they was going back to... They, they immediately, the dad said to me, James, what should I do? Now, importantly, I never, ever have ever, and I'm hoping soon he, he will do, an, uh, even if it's just an audio testimonial himself, which I've been speaking to him about, and he said he's going to do, to testify to this. Uh, I just said to him, listen, from my experience, and if this was my daughter, these are the steps that I would take. And first and foremost is you need to empower yourself. Don't reach, I'm going to share information with you, but you now need to go off and do that homework yourself so that the penny drops. Because right now, you're faced by the white jackets in a position where they're telling you loads of stuff and you don't know what they're talking about. Well, that's not how it works with us in coaching. That's not how it works at all. In coaching, we listen and then we give back to them the tools that's already within them by empowering them with the fact that, right, there is information here now that you need to start looking into. Here it is. So, and they, it was incredible. So for the first, it was every day. I was talking to the dad, talking to the mum. I was only talking to the daughter every Monday, have been every Monday since it started. As I said, I got my call with her after this. Um, uh, so, so, the, 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 so what they're doing now with the hospital, and I said to him, I said that, he said that all we ever get when we speak to the hospital is shut down and, and fear and always feeling of belittled as in the pats on the shoulder. We know what we're doing. Don't you worry about it. Your daughter's in our best hands. But remember, these are the people at the same time that are showing statistics telling these parents that not one of these means she's going to get better. We're not offering you that. And guess what? Here's the small print, which we've tied over a little bit, which shows you some of the potential symptoms. One of them being death, one of them being heart inflammation, which could lead to a heart attack, which could lead to death, hair loss, infertility. Um, oh, God, the list was because of where the lump is in her chest. Uh, it was a lung. It, it was just incredible, this list, which they legally have to disclose, but do it in such a way where they'll make you feel like, oh, that's just what we have to do. So much so that when the social services get involved in this, which is what I'm going to, which I'm just going to drop in one thing about the social services now. The social services, when the parents, because, actually, no, I can't. I've got to, right, so, so basically, they started throwing all this stuff. And I said to the parents, how about this? How about, rather than just being given all this paperwork, when you collate some of your own paperwork and take it back at them of showing an interest in not being argumentative, because what I've realized over the last eight years as well, if you question these people, they don't like it. Mm -hmm. They will quickly shut you up. Initially, it's just a, you know, Haha, look at him, you're asking, it's good. And then you ask a bit more and you show an interest. And before long, you're being shut down in, in a way that you are made to feel this is not your time to talk. This is our time. She's in our, in this case, she's in our terms now. And that's how they make you feel. And like I said, they're trained to do this, which I do think is fucking evil, personally. They're trained into making people feel inferior in these situations. And I'm not saying that they don't believe it's because what they're doing is the right way. But remember, they're not offering a, any form of healing to this family. They're offering some relief. That's not what these people are after, especially at the chance of all of these side effects, potential fucking devastating, life-changing side effects to this beautiful little 15-year-old girl before she's even experienced life. But they're and expected... Just, sorry, go sorry. on, mate. And, and just to jump in, um, when people have been told that they, they've only got this much time to live, which is clients that we have worked with, it's never the case. Like, there's always an alternative. There's also lots of people that have got through this. They're, if it's happened once, it can happen again. So with all this whole process, when people are saying all these things, there is other options still. And this is what James really encourages people to go and go and look at testimonies and go and look at other stories and hear how, and it's very difficult to get your hands on.
listen, I'll, I'll, make, I'll show you how real perfect has and while you said that, you just made me think of the obvious. What Harry just said, Lads Talk Health and all of our workshops and the work we do is actually built around healing from cancer. This is where a lot of it started in regards to what we're doing now, Harry, with the whole package. A lot of this stemmed from these experiences, which no one can refute, because I'm not talking about a book or a theory. I'm talking about stuff we are doing and have done and have seen and have witnessed with our own eyes heard with our own ears and actually known. No, this is truth. I'm, I'm experiencing truth. You can't tart this up and tell me it's something different. This is fucking truth. This is truth. And these people, sorry, Harry, where was I? Um, uh, oh, shit, sorry, I lost my chain of thought. Yeah, you, you were saying how... Um, uh, oh, I'm sorry, mate. But this is how we, this is how we've been all day, I've guys. I've been brain like, fucked on this all day, mate. Because I need to get to what, what what's actually going on. Um, so basically, um, yeah, tell me about it, mate. Good advice. So this fam, yes. So this family, I said to them, hit them with what they're giving you. Match the energy. They're gonna hit you with paperwork. You go with your paperwork, addressing the subjects. And I gave them, in fairness a load of information which I knew would be exactly relevant to what they're up against because of what we've been experiencing for the last eight years. So, of course, they took this to the hospital. They took this to the doctors. Uh, and straight away. So the first time round, the, uh, the main oncologist who they had the meeting, the, the consultant, main oncologist consultant, who they had the first meeting with when they was ready, and they went in all boosted by this time. I'd, had, I'd coached mum and dad. I'd, I'd, I'd been coaching uh, rose for a session so everyone was just and because what we do and this is important again this is why I'm, I'm emphasizing we don't attack why would you not put yourself in this person's shoes as a parent or as that girl why would you not even if you've never taken an interest in cancer in your life you've never looked into it you've just heard about it why would you not when you're in their position start educating yourself just to understand first of all what you're being told because you're being told in a way which your soul's already saying, oh, this doesn't feel comfortable. It's like, I'm not understanding. This is so important for my little girl who I'd fucking die for. And I'm not understanding anything these people are saying other than they're making me feel that if I don't hand her over now, she's going to die. But at the same time, they're showing me that this is definitely going to happen to your little girl in regards to damage. Because here's a fact, people, a truth. Every form of cancer treatment damages the human body. In fact, the way they get around it is they give a five-year window of success, which I'm not going to go into now, but look into now how cancer is gauged as a success and the five-year window, and it will shock you, I'm sure. So why would you not start empowering yourself with knowledge to at least be able to digest what you're being told and then have a fucking conversation with these white jackets and say, right, I'm on board. I'm on board. I'm listening to you. I've looked into this. But then to be completely from the first moment, this consultant, this oncologist, shut them down. Shut them down in front of their little girl. And that's the first time when he came back and told me that. I said, right, from now on, let me tell you what you do have as rights. If you don't want to be in that hospital on these meetings because you don't feel it's a safe zone for you and your daughter, you don't have to be. They're obligated, if you demand so, to call you. You can do it by phone, because at this point, this is consultation period. This is when they're firing all that negativity at you, and when you're sitting there, they're patting, putting his hands on Rose's shoulders. <sighs> you know, we're going to get through. Can you imagine how that feels? How that feels? How patronising that fucking is for the parents? So, first meeting, that's how it went after them empowering themselves with a bit of knowledge. He shut them down. They came back. They told me what had happened. I said, at that point, um, don't take her there anymore. That would be my advice. If it was me, I wouldn't take her there anymore. Why does she need to be in that energy field? She doesn't want to be there. Furthermore, she don't want to be there. And this is important in this because this beautiful little rose who I've worked with for months now, who is an incredible, intelligent, 
strong, mature soul, she's got a voice that no one was taking any notice of from the, from the medicinal side. No one. And, and Harry, we ain't even going to have time, mate, to touch on all these stories. Um, so anyway, so, right, so at that point, that's when they decided we're not taking her there anymore. And then, finally, the mum, as I said before, that was kicking off and asked for a rescan to be done, a second opinion, initially from them on this cancer lump, came back. We're really sorry. We fucked up. It's not e-wing sarcoma, which we were just about to rush you into this fucking treatment for, this particular cancer, which they'd been told, this is so rare, this has to be this side of treatment, and blah, 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 blah. It's actually classic Hodgkin's lymphoma. Still a cancer, still fucking horrible, and still potentially life-threatening, but completely misdiagnosed. Now, just think, if they'd have got their way from the off, they would have been giving her a treatment for a cancer which wasn't even the right cancer. And that's a fucking fact. That's the truth. So... At that stage, this, what happened then, of course, the ball sort of came back into the family's court because they, the hospital realised, what a fuck-up. What a fuck-up. And if we'd have gone ahead... So they changed tactic for a little bit. They started saying, right, you know, if, if you can come up uh, um, for a consultation again in the hospital, um, at, at a different hospital, okay, at a different hospital, we're going to speak to... Uh, the, the consultant's actually going to be there this time. Um, I assure you, you know, we, we know what we're dealing with now. We're confident. And of course, the parents are thinking, how can I have any confidence currently in, in what anything you're saying after the way how disingenuous you've already been in your approach? And then, so they've met in another hospital, different hospital, but the same consultant, the same oncologist. Now, on my children's souls, this is what I was, obviously I've only experienced what the family have come back and told me. So I can only say as the truth that I've been told. So the mum and dad turn up with the little girl. They go to see the, the paediatrician, I think it was initially, who were really nice because they wasn't part of this former, this other hospital and, and didn't know the backstory. And it was really nice, really transparent with them. And then the consultant and his team took the parents uh, away, uh, had a conversation with them. One of the team for the consultants took the father away to a, a room to have a chat and saying that we're going to have the mother with Rose for a chat in the other room. But they took the mother into a different room and then took Rose without telling any of them all the way down to a different floor in this hospital, took the mum to a, another floor. So basically... All three of this family are now separated in this hospital. Can you imagine what that's like for that 15-year-old little girl? Then what happens? So the, the, from the 15-year-old girl's perspective, she said, what happened was they took me into a room and they just started talking at me. And she said I was petrified, absolutely petrified, because I didn't understand anything they were saying. But all I understand was they were trying to push me into this treatment, which bear in mind... She's already done research on this treatment for her auntie. So this kid is amazing. She's already got a bit about her in regards to what these treatments are all about. She knows that she's been misdiagnosed recently and was just about to be given a treatment for a different form of cancer completely. So she's not stupid. She's 15. And she's fucking a, twice the 15-year-old I was at, at 15 in regards to her intelligence. So she's got, imagine, she's got all of this to contend with. And now she ain't got a mum and dad. And she's in this room with this oncologist who initially she said, she knows what patronising is. She said she, all he was doing was patronising. Kept patting me on my knee, asking me how I felt and saying that, you know, there's still other options um, that we're, we're looking into at the moment. And the most important thing is, is just to try and stay positive. But she knows other than these words with no meaning, what she's been actually told by these people is that the treatment she was initially going to be given had no intention in any way of healing her, was just going to give her however many 70% more years was going to give her, but it definitely wasn't going to give her a natural life to her li live out her natural longevity of her life. So she's knowing all of this stuff, this poor little 15-year-old girl. 
And she's in this room with the oncologist, and she, there was about another three people in there. She said all of them were just standing there, staring at her the whole time. Not asking her, you know, having a friendly conversation about anything. Literally just standing there. At this stage, the daddy's going bonkers because he can't find where anybody is. The mum has gone into warrior mode and she got taken into the room. She kicked off a massive, massive fuss. Welcome back, Sam. She kicked off a massive, massive fuss and got taken into the room. But bear in mind, whilst the parents are kicking off a fuss to, to see their daughter, the dad's being told that the police will be called if they, he doesn't calm down. Are you fucking... Can you believe that? That's what the dad's being told. That the police will be called unless, unless he calms down. And he's... Can you imagine... I don't know how he held it together because I can only imagine what if that was my daughter and, and the, the realisation of, where's my wife? Where's my daughter? Why are they clearly? Because he said they clearly didn't want me to go and see my... So he's kicking off. The mum's kicked off. They've taken the mum into the room. The dad... And then the mum's kicked off in the room and, and the, dad, the, the, the girl, Rose, she's sitting there. She said, she said James, she said, I just, I just wanted to cry. I just wanted to cry. It was just like, she said, all I could feel. Because by this stage, I've been talking to her about energy and understanding as a child, how much stronger your energy fields are for understanding. You might not understand the words, Rose, but you've got a better understanding, first and foremost, of what's going on inside your body than any one of these big people, regardless if they've got a white coat on them or not. You've got that strength. You've got that energy. So she's aware of this now. By this stage, I've been doing breath work with this girl, and she's already showing an incredible amount of lung capacity, which is very relevant, people, to any form of illness and, or, or preventing getting sick in the first place. So this girl's on board. She's knowing what's going on. So she's, late, she's sitting there and she's seeing her mum getting in an argument. She's asking, where's my dad? Where's my dad? Then her dad comes in. Her dad's getting into argument. The police are getting mentioned again. And then eventually, oh, and then the oncologist, she said at one point, literally turned round into her face and told her, because if you don't have this treatment, no, said to the parent, because if she don't have this treatment, turned around and faced her, in her face, and the dad said, lent into her, said, she's going to die. At that point, and this is how incredible this girl is, at that point, she just screamed, enough! And she said, the room just stood still. Stood still. Because she, what she had brought up, Everyone went quiet. And she said, I'm here. I'm here. I can hear you. I have a voice. So that meeting got adjourned because she said, I want to leave. I want to go. It's my right. I want to go now. So that meeting got adjourned. They left. They took her home. And this is when, this was the start of of the worst of what, what was to come. So this is when these nasty people really, really went to town on this family. So by now, this family have realised, hold on, anything that we're getting from what we initially thought was our support network of experts, of the people that are supposed to be there to help us in this situation with their expertise, is definitely disingenuous and that in itself, even if it was one part disingenuous, in a situation like that with your little girl being told that she's going to die unless she has these treatments, would you take that risk? Harry, would you take that risk at that stage? If that was your kid. And, and you've, you've, been, you've just been split up in a fucking hospital so that they could get their claws into the kid to try and plant the seed into her of the importance that she had to understand that why she had to have this fucking treatment so she'd say to her mum and dad no because that's what she realized she said james it was trying to get me to get on their side to say to my mum and dad no i want this treatment but i knew they was lying to me i just felt that they was lying to me so could you imagine at that stage that's where they're at as a family so i was obviously i'm speaking to them all the time i said to the dad i said listen i said with the greatest respect right now what is the most obvious thing that you think or feel that you could do right now that gives you back some control? Because it was horrible. He phoned me up and he broke and he just said, James, we feel helpless. 
It was fucking heartbreaking. Him trying to keep it together, Hazard. They and because I understood, I've seen, we've seen that so many times with loved ones over the last eight years. That horrible feeling of I can't do anything to help, which has been implanted by these people. By the way, that's where this came from. That's where this came from. So I said to him, "Right, what can you do now to take back control? What can you do? Think that." And he was, oh, James, I just don't know. And you can hear the ego has up. The ego, the pain body of the ego telling him, there's nothing you can do. There's nothing you can do. I'm saying, took him for a breathing exercise. The same one that we, we do with everyone. I said, in that exercise on the breath hold, I'm saying, what can you do to take back some control? Came out of it. I'm going to get a second opinion. I'm going to go private. Fucking there you go. I didn't want to tell him because it's not my job. Obviously, as you know, but he came. I said, brilliant. And he, and he said the analogy that I use, but not in that situation with other people. No, I've never used it. He said to me, he said, fuck me, James. Do you know how many times I go to a mechanics with my car and I don't trust what they've said, so I have to go and get a second opinion. And I've not even thought to do this. With my... I said, there you go. So he went out, he got a private scan done. Now, he didn't tell, because I said to him, if it was me, I would just approach this, forgetting everything you've been told. Blank slate. We're in our presence. We're in our now. We're back in control. Because John's all John. Shit. I'm sure he won't mind, actually, because John said, the dad's name's John. I fucking love you, John. You're amazing. John said to me, do you know what, James? I, I, I feel now there's, there's things we can do ourselves. To, to try and take back a bit of control in this situation. Can so, you explain the family dynamics at this point as well? Because you said that it wasn't just that feeling of power. There was a, a, a come together with the family at, at oh, this point. Yeah. Oh, man. So because obviously I've been, I, I took, I, I start, I, I, I'm sure I shared this with you, Hazard. I took the whole family through an experience through, I shared that with you, didn't I? Yeah. I took the whole family through uh, a whole energy cleansing, meditative experience. And on it, mate, I had to wait for the call to, to drop and I cried my eyes out, bruv, with the energy that I felt through Zoom from these four people. Like, funny enough, recently, do you remember that guy I sent you uh, with the guy with, you know, the, the complete disabled guy and I said that the experience, it was like that. You could just feel, and that was with husband and wife. This was with a husband and wife and two kids. Took them through the experience and... Basically, what I explained to them was, and this was so important for Rose to understand, is you are now in your safe space. Your house is your energy zone. No one can do you any negative, give you any negative energy. You're in control here. This is your safety zone. And the best thing, you've got an army behind you. You've got your mum, your dad and your sister. And it was amazing. And it was just lovely seeing and then coming out of this. So they've really bonded together. They're all now looking as a family. All the family are doing the breathing exercises with me. They're going out for walks into the park, into nature, which I encourage get out into the fresh air. Scent yourself with nature, people. This isn't woo-woo. Fucking look into this stuff. It's not woo-woo. Experience this stuff. Because as soon as you yeah. do it once, it, it's a, a game changer. So they're going out into nature. They're doing everything. So this family now are a unit. They are a fucking unbreakable force together of love and healing energy. And they're, as a family, they're massaging in the oil into, into Rose's lump and meditating over it. And can you see people out there? Why would you not do this in these positions? If you're putting, even if you don't, you bring it back to the present. That's right, family. So this whole family now has gone from a state of panic, and which is the fight or flight zone, which they've all been under, into all of a sudden this empowered, wow, we're finding out, they're messaging me, oh my God, James, look, we found this out, we found now, we found, I'm giving this 15-year-old girl, I'm giving her Eckhart Tolle book to listen to. Fucking hell. At 15, the power of now. Changed my life. I, I've still not understood that book. I've read it, I've listened to it four times. So this whole family are just on this next level of energy and it showed because they started going back. So, so they went 
for this private scan. So I said to him, right, don't give him a backstory because to be honest, that backstory is not your story. It's what you've been fucking told. It's what you've been labeled with. You don't own that. And you don't know in your soul if that's true or not, do you? And he said, well, of course I don't. He said, because I haven't got a clue about it. I said, well, in that case, you've got a good foundation now. Because a minute ago, your foundation was like this, in fear. Now, bosh, we're back to, let's put our legs down. Let's put our two feet on the floor. What can we do? Because all of a sudden, we're doing something. We're in on now. We're taking steps. They started looking into Professor Rafael Mishulin. They started looking into Dr. Christina Sanchez. Daisy's... Rose is probably as equipped with the endocannabinoid system as I am these days. Like, it's incredible, this girl. The conversations we have now in our sessions, this girl's going on to big things. Like, her story's going to be amazing. So, so they're equipped now. They're, they're marching forwards in there now every time. They're not going to the hospital. The hospital keep bringing them to try and get them in. Really interested. He said they started ringing us for random things. Oh, can you just check, come in? We want to just check uh, Daisy. Uh, we just check Rose's uh, blood uh, uh, levels and just random stuff that he hadn't been doing before. Oh, and then all of a sudden, oh, oh by the way, we've, um, we've, we've thought it better to change your oncologist. Like, can you think? Like, they're basically admitting guilt. Because that's what they're doing. They're admitting their, their guilt. What they're, only an absolute, I'm sorry, but after experiencing what this family have experienced, you'd have to be pretty moronic by the real definition of the word. I'm not labeling people really meaning of moronic to not see that you're now being trying to coax with the, the good cop. All of a sudden, the good cops turned up. Oh, come on over. Oh, yeah, we've got new bad cops gone. Come. So, of course, the family said, no, we're not coming in. We're going to do everything from now on by the phone. And they'd started pushing back to the hospital what they're entitled to. Please take heed of this, people. If you or anyone else has got cancer or, or, if it, or one of your children, God forbid, you're entitled to get answers to your questions to the point that you can digest the answer. You know what the answer is. You know what the information you've just been told means so that then you may have another question. That is your right. Funny enough, that's her right. The little girl's right at 15. She's not... She's not a baby. She, she can ask questions. Why aren't you giving this family information? Why at this stage? And this is something that I am saying is generic. In my experience in eight years of working with people with cancer, you never get laid out the information into a way where it's like, okay, let's team up. Let me give you a bit of information, James, about your situation right now so that you can feel a bit empowered because they know people are scared. Why would you leave people scared? Why would you leave a 15-year-old girl and her family bricking it, knowing that they haven't got a clue what, it, what they're even bricking it over? But it's just all the information that you're throwing out. Why would you do that to someone? So, of course, like any good parents, I advise them, why don't you empower yourselves now to go back with information, not to counteract what they're saying, but to try and make them elaborate on it in a way that you can understand it, to then potentially have... Oh, now I have got a question to ask. So what happened was they would all of a sudden start phoning the hospital with questions. Now, bearing in mind, at this stage, they've gone and they've got a private scan. And lo and behold, guess what this private scan has shown? Now, bearing in mind, classic, classic Hodgkin's lymphoma is a very aggressive cancer. It's a very fast-growing cancer. And... The little girl's tumour from eight weeks prior to her starting to work with me and starting to use the natural medicine. Eight weeks prior to that, the, uh, when they'd been told about the tumour, from that point until the point that uh, she started on the, uh, on, on the medicine, it had grown prior to her starting on, on, on the medicine. It had grown by, it was either 32 or 42%. And apologies, that's something I should know cement. I'm, I'm going to go with 32% to be conservative. That's still a lot. 32% it's increased in that time. That's how rapid. Now, when they went to get, and that was done way back earlier in the year. 
at, at that, that first scan that the hospital did, which, bearing in mind, at that stage, the size of this tumour, they were telling her it was something else, remember, as well. They were telling her it was a different form of cancer. But they had the size of the lump and a couple of little, little other lymph, lymph node lumps as well. Okay? So when they went private, got his second opinion, and as I said, guys, why would you not get a second opinion? You would on your car. You would even on your boiler. You'd get a second opinion on, on where to go to get another boiler. What about your body? Get a second opinion. Don't just trust what you've been labelled with. Because a lot of the time they get it wrong. So they, they're phoning up the hospital now, obviously, uh, with their own questions. And this scan that they've done privately, which they've sent over to the new consultant, has shown that there's been a reduction in the tumour. Now, even if at that stage, if it had just stopped growing, you would hope that the medicinal community would go, oh, this is interesting, because this farts in the face of everything we've told you about how this works, this cancer. And yes, I know we got it wrong the first time, but, you know, no, this time we're right, and we've told you this, but this isn't what we told you, and we appreciate it. You'd think they'd, they'd phone up, oh, you'd think they'd actually contact the parents and say, guess what? This is good news. This is good news. It stopped growing at the rate it was growing, or whatever. You would give the... They ignored the information for over a week. So they sent, they, they contacted the new uh, oncologist, consultant, emailed him over the scan, said we've gone private, uh, and all the rest of it. Um, and can you please compare... That's all they asked. Can you please compare the scan you guys done months back to the one that we've just had to pay out of our own pocket because, oh, again, I forgot. They were refusing to give them another scan at that point. No, no, we've already got the scan. No, we need to get this going. No, no, no. There's no time for another. That's what they're being told. Bear in mind. So they've gone off and paid out. And these people aren't affluent. They've gone and paid out their own money to get a private scan done. So, and what's interesting is when, obviously, when that oncologist, the private oncologist done the scan, the dad, John, where was giving his name? John said, like, James, you should have seen his face, like what he saw. He's, he realised, because we hadn't told him, like he, he realised the extent, but obviously there was a big cancerous lump there. Like, he said that, that John, for John and, and the family, that wasn't, you know, in contention. They just wanted to get the measurements. But he said from the, he straight away, instantly started asking John. And John said in a really almost frighteningly suspicious manner with his tone, he said his demeanour completely changed. Oh, have you been to the hospital? Are the hospital aware of this? And there's a relevance to this, which I'm going to get to in a minute. So John at that point had said, yeah, we have, but we just wanted to, uh, you know, get, get a scan done and asked him at that point, could he diagnose the, um, because what was it? It was something to do with the lymph. Oh yeah, that was it. They hadn't given on, on the hospital scan that they, they'd highlighted the lymph nodes, but not given any measurements, any sizes. So on this guy, uh, and the private one, he gave some, uh, uh, when they came up, they said, oh, can you give us the measurements on the lymph nodes? But because at that point, he'd already been made aware of the fact that they'd been to the hospital already, he said he just completely changed. He said, oh, yeah, you know, I'll get back to one. I can't do this now. This is something I can get back to one. He could have just put it on the same machine and got the measurements for the same stuff that he'd just done for the lump um, on the chest. Um, oh, no, sorry. I've got that wrong. Excuse me, because I want to make sure this is completely honest. The hospital had given measurements to the lymph nodes, excuse me, on the first scan, the little ones in her collarbones. But this guy, when he scanned it, he didn't give those measurements. So they said, listen, at that point, they'd obviously uh, been transparent and said, look, we've, we had a scan. Oh, oh, and the private oncologist wouldn't look at the hospital scan. Wouldn't look at the hospital scan either. Then he said, no, look. That's something you're going to have to go back to your doctor with, uh, go back to the hospital with. I can't help with that. I can give you the information on, on this one. So they said, okay, no problem. You've not given us the measurements on the, uh, on these, on the smaller ones, uh, the lymph one. Can you give us those? Oh, I can't do this now, but I will get back. Again, he could have just gone straight on, used the machine, which they use to measure them, and done it instantly, but completely shut down, which, which was interesting because when I had a conversation with John that night, he said to me, he said, James, it's like they're all in cahoots. Now, remember that part of this story. Okay, so this was a private oncologist within the same area. 
as this hospital was where they've been getting all the other information. Um, so they've gone okay. back to the, they've gone back to the hospital. Um, they've uh, given, like I said, they've emailed through the, the new scans and said, look, you can see from our new scans that there's been a reduction in the size uh, of, of the main tumor. So, you know, can you please get back to us on this? Considering your scan was done months ago, they didn't. For, I, I, they messaged me every day because I was like, anything come back yet? No, it's still nothing, still nothing, still nothing. Then what happens? They get their first call from social services. So all of a sudden, this hospital that have been on them all the time, get her in, get her in all the time, phoning her up, you know, get her in. All of a sudden, the family have gone from this state of fear into this, all right, hold on. This is what we've now looked into ourselves and, and gone in with the narrative being, look, guys, we're not questioning you, but we want to understand. I was so, I emphasize that so much. I know you're frustrated, but don't, don't lose your rag. Play them at their own game. Just say you want to be empowered because you're two concerning parents. Why wouldn't we want to be empowered? Why wouldn't we? Isn't that enough for them to say, well, that actually makes sense. Yeah, let me show you what we're doing. Um, so they've gone back with this new attitude. Okay. Oh, my battery has a two sets. I should have, it's, mate, I've been all over the place. Give me two sets. I've got to get my, um, my, my charger, Harry, okay? Okay. Sorry, mate. Two sets. As you can see, it's so much just already. We haven't even got to the worst bits yet. And this is the stuff that happens regularly. And a lot of the people and families going through this, they're not informed. So they just go through the, the normal process and just think that's the normal way. And what our job is, is just to share information based on previous experiences with other people, with real life situations, for people to then take their power back, to do their own research. And whenever you're healing, it's your foundations that need to be solid first of all. And this is what empowering yourself does, is give you your... And James, I've I got to keep a note on the time as Sorry, well. Sorry, Hazard. So it, might have to be a, it might have to be a part two. If we can do 15 more minutes. Right, I'm just... Um, John, I'm just going to message... as well. Sorry, this charger's messing. I'm just going to quickly message the dad to say I'm, I'm running a bit late, mate. Okay, give me two secs. But guys, the first thing that we encourage everyone is when you are given this information, people go in to do uh, blood tests and stuff and they come back and you have bad news. And the first thing that is normally met with is instant fear, act now, do this, do that, death. All these words get thrown in at you. But whenever we're healing, like to make a sudden uh, um, a decision without any looking into it, any knowledge, is one of the worst things that we can do. So all we're encouraging people is take a breath, take some time just to actually pay attention and get all the information from your own standpoint. Reach out to people like ourselves to to help put you in the right direction of things to be looking at. Mate, I, I couldn't have said that better. And this is going to pitch people that I'm dead serious. If you're facing cancer or if you know someone who is or you have cancer, please reach out. Because like I said, there's, there's between us now over 10 years worth of experiencing in what you're going to face. And the difference it makes, which we've experienced, when you give people that information in advance, or even whilst it's happening, you say, right, look, look at this. Take a breath. Guess what? There's a lot you can do yourself. And I'm talking a lot, people. In eight years, we've seen people that have been told that there's people, there is some incredible people that should, are so-called dead that are still here that we've witnessed multiple times, that have been given these death sentences, that have been told as well, this is as far as we go now, this right, people, you've got to go and sort up your affairs. They're still alive today, all right? So that's how serious this is. It, and this, we're not giving guarantees. All we're giving, the only guarantee I would give is, if you don't know about this information, what we can give you is a choice. A choice for you to look at something else. Isn't that, at, at that stage, worth 
more than anything in the world to just have an option that you can look into yourself for you to take back a bit of control because that's what happens when you get labeled with cancer. All your control gets taken away from you because of that label. And we've seen it. We've seen it time and time again. And it happened. And of course, the ripple effect, have you, as you always talk about with the families, the nearest, it affects, it's instant. It, cancer, it couldn't be a, I mean, that word is horrible, but that's what it does to a family. It's cancerous. It spreads through the family, the energy of, and again, without digressing too much, look into the amount of people that have died of cancers, which they've then found out because the people have been suspicious that they didn't have cancer in the first place. It wasn't cancer. But the fear killed them, manifested into sickness. Think Again, you think I'm talking shit, look into it yourself. Um, but back to Rose. Where was he, Hazard? Oh. The sound's gone. No. The oncologist was a bit funny after he was presented with this information. Can you hear me now? Yes. Right, sorry about this, people. But we we'll um, have to make this into a part two. So like, try to get to a point where we can cut it off so you've, you've got some stuff to... Because this is so important with all these different facets that James is going to go into. Like, this is... <laughs> it gets worse. The thing is, I've had to miss out so much of there's so many times this hospital, these these professionals lied to this family, outright lied to the point where at times, and I'm not talking even if this was just once, at times, okay, I'm just gonna be, actually have, we're gonna have to wrap this up, but I, I want to give you an example of something that happened the day before yesterday. So, Dev, I'm gonna. We'll go back in the story, but today, and this is this is important, people. For anyone out there who does know the importance of sending love and kindness and healing energy to people in meditation, in prayer, in just a thought, I beg you, I implore you. There's a 15 year old girl that today was bullied into six hours of a fucking aggressive chemotherapy. For six hours, with the threat being that if she wasn't taking part in this, she'd be taken away from her parents. That's where we're at now with this. And to give you one more thing, two days ago, so they've been bullying her to get into the hospital, put to the point now where court, the courts have been contacted. And, and this is another conversation on about how we as parents have no idea that we don't actually own our children which is another conversation, but it's fucking imperative you understand about what the birth certificate means in this fucking country we, I used to live in, in the, in the United Kingdom. But anyway, two days ago, so they've now got a, they've, they've now played their trump card, the hospital, so now they know that she's been bullied into family now, can't do it, unless they're going to flee the country, which they can't do, um, because of the pandemic as well. They would have done, I'm telling you they would have done, I've been bullied into it. And two days ago, they told her that she was coming in for a, a quick chat, okay? In this chat, they then said, oh, while you're here, we're going to do a blood test on you. So the parents thought, oh, that's a bit strange. Like, you've not been doing any tests now. Because, again, I'm scooting loads now. We will go back over this. You've not done any tests in a while now. What, what, what's going on? How come now all of a sudden you're going to be doing tests? Is it for cancer? No. They're testing to see if the, the hemoglobin level of the blood is strong enough that they give the tick of the criteria to be, for them to be allowed to fucking start this horrible, poisonous treatment. Now, they weren't told that prior to going in there. So when they tested Rose and it was low, they'd done a fucking blood transfusion to bring her level up just enough so that they could start the treatment today. And again, I'm missing so much of this story. So, which we will, we'll have to touch on, Hazard. Um, but, yeah, please, please, this girl, she deserves every bit of, just a thought people pass a thought to this family and this girl and what they're going through. Um, because if it were, what would you do if that was your little girl? 
and you've been on this journey that I've already explained, and even if there was just one of the things, examples I've given already this evening, you would be enough for you to hold on, no, this don't feel right. But thinking, and I'm telling you, I've not even scratched, scratched the surface of how disingenuous these, pe these, these people and what they've experienced from the white jackets in this particular case with their little girl. What would you do if this was your little girl, if it was you? So please, for those that meditate, meditate for Rose this evening. Send her loving energy. Send her family loving energy. For those that pray, pray for her. Just, just have a thought. And, and you know what? Fucking hug your kids. Tell your kids how much you love them. Because... brings things home if you think about you know like i said if that was my kids how would you feel at this stage as i got wrap things up mate so so guys we've got we've actually got a live tomorrow with an amazing woman that's gone through this whole battle herself and the work that she's doing now is incredible and then on wednesday we have our live but i'm going to speak to james after see if we can get a part two done uh, on this because there's so much more that hasn't even been touched on. Like it gets worse, a lot worse. And this is information for people to take on board. And we'd encourage, please share this to other people because it's an important topic that will impact everyone at some point in your life. It's one in two now. And a lot of these people have no information at all. They just uh, met with fear and, and yeah, choices that they can't uh, actually be confident with making. So again, just say thank you for tuning in. Uh, James, thank you for sharing that today because uh, you're amazing, mate. And then uh, we'll, we'll do an announcement to do the, the next episode. I still don't think it's going to cover all of it, but I think it's in, now it's important because this family of what they're going through, they are now helpless. They've been forced into something that none of them want to do. So again, thank you. And uh, we'll, um, we'll catch you soon.